Welcome in to the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. I'm your host, Charlie. As you know that, you're familiar with me. We are on all the podcast networks, Apple, Spotify, the whole deal. Make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you're rating, reviewing. We we would really appreciate all that support. Uh, social media, we are on all of them. Uh, Tapping the Cake Sports on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok, and then on Twitter, it's Tapping the Keg. We have a good show today. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers' apology and why him saying sorry is not just for you. We're going to talk Buck Sixers. What can we take away from this one? More Grayson Allen, Semi Ojale, Giannis Close. I think this was a very good win for the Milwaukee Bucks. So we'll recap that in the middle. And then lastly, we'll talk about how I'm working myself out of the Wojo mindset, little college basketball at the tail end. But let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee again on Tuesday. We all did not necessarily know what to expect. Aaron Rodgers on Friday sounded like a crazy person. He sounded unhinged. He basically scorched the earth and gave his opinions on everything related to the vaccines and COVID-19. I contended and still believe that if Pat McAfee was more of a podcast host, more of a journalist, he would have probably interjected at certain points and would have guided Rodgers to a more concise and clear thought process and not necessarily seem all over the place. I think his buddy Pat did not do him many favors. I love Pat McAfee, don't get me wrong, but in this scenario, it really hurt that it was an ex-player and not a podcast host or a journalist. And Pat heard a lot of it over the weekend and talked about it on Monday's show, kind of trying to defend himself. Uh, we're just a bunch of guys sitting around, whatever. Unfortunately, Pat, you have a very big platform right now and you have to understand how to use it. And in that scenario, he didn't. And you can't just shrug that off, in my opinion. So Aaron Rodgers is much more somber. He's much more subdued. He gives a basically, I'm sorry if I misled you. He didn't say I'm sorry, but he said if I misled you, that's on me. Um, that is not my intention. I'm not an activist. I'm a football player. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I just want to talk about football. I want to get back to work. And that's that. Now, some people said that apology was not good enough. Some people wanted Aaron Rodgers to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to take the vaccine, you guys were right, basically let myself get shamed. And I think we are obsessed with apology, apologizing in 2021. We want to see everybody apologize for anything they do wrong. Cancel culture might not be the way we think of it, and it might get it might be oversaid. It's one of the probably hot words of 2021 in the last couple of years. But the reason why we have a cancel culture is because we're obsessed with watching people apologize. We want to see people go to the biggest stage and celebrities and big brands and anyone with a platform. We want to see them step up to the plate and say, I'm sorry. And to whom those I offended, right? And because Aaron Rodgers didn't immediately come out and say, I fucked up. I shouldn't have done this. I'm really sorry. And never actually said the word, I'm sorry. He apologized in the way he wanted to. And he did feel remorse. 
If Aaron Rodgers did not feel remorse, he would have doubled down yesterday and would have kept spewing what we saw on Friday. But he didn't. He turned face. He realized that he took it too far. And that was an apology for Aaron Rodgers. And we need to accept that. As a society, we do such a bad job when somebody screws up to not at least listen to them when they apologize if they don't align with our beliefs. If someone aligns with our beliefs, ah, you know, they said sorry, whatever, we, we move on. All right? I personally feel like the reason why some people are like, this isn't good enough for me is because they want to stand on Mount Pius about vaccinations and they really feel like there is only one opinion when it comes to getting vaccinated. It's not. It changes all the time. Look, I said to you guys on Monday, all right? Monday's show, I said, I'm probably not going to get the booster. Guess what? It's Wednesday and I'm now thinking about getting the booster. A lot of people are getting COVID. Um, it Still, we don't know exactly kind of what the spread looks like from unvaccinated and vaccinated people. COVID hasn't yet waned out. Um, it's starting to pop up a little bit more. It might just make sense for the holidays to have it before we you know, know exactly what's all going on. So there you have it, right? I changed my mind. Now, I am just a mediocre podcaster that few people listen to. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily any different than Aaron Rodgers when it comes to opinions changing about big fucking issues. We can put our feet in the sand, but if you are a smart human being, you're at least going to keep thinking about things and change your opinion if it makes more sense. So Aaron Rodgers not quote-unquote apologizing is garbage. He said, I'm sorry, in his own words, and now we should move on. I said that we should put it in bed. I wrote about it yesterday on tabinthekeg.com that we need to sort of stop talking about this. That there's really no need for Aaron Rodgers to keep having this conversation. Someone commented and vehemently disagreed, which I love that I got a comment, and I, I loved his or her take and said Rodgers should wear this as a brand. Why? So we're scarlet lettering people now? Come on. Aaron Rodgers has his own right to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. It's not mandated by his league. It's not mandated by his team or his state. No one is telling Aaron Rodgers what he has to or he can't do. All right. Do I wish he was vaccinated? Of course. But Aaron Rodgers is an unvaccinated player. He'll be wearing a mask the rest of the season, and that'll be what it'll be. And the rules have changed due to Aaron Rodgers maybe skirting them. And for those upset about the Packers' fines, look, it's different. I think the NFL season says, well, we weren't enforcing it across the board. Packers were the first team that got caught. Here's a fine. Please don't do it again. That's exactly what I think happened. I don't think it, it's like the Raiders or Broncos of last year where everybody was on lockdown and saw them sort of say, all right, you know, guys, we, you guys got to figure this out. We can't have outbreaks. We don't want to lose football games. And that's why 
the Raiders and Broncos were consistently fined and had some large fines. I think the Raiders actually lost the draft pick. But that's that's why, right? It was a lot different last year. And this year, there was a lot of guys who went unchecked. There were guys who you have no idea if they're vaccinated or not. And I still think that's going to happen. Like, the NFL is like, you have to wear a mask at the, at the podium. How do we know all these guys are vaccinated? So that basically they're saying that don't mislead the media. And the media, to Roger's point, is like the only reason they can get in there is because they are vaccinated. They're wearing masks. It's kind of like, what are we doing? A little bit. And I'm not going to go on a diatribe here. All right. Like I'm very close (laughs) to going and taking this in a whole other direction. But we do need to get comfortable with the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And we refuse to. Now, do I blame popular culture? Yeah, I do. I think popular culture can't understand how to sort of live inclusively and respect each other's opinions. That thing has went out the fucking window since 2015. And it's just gotten worse and worse. And by this point, it's decomposed into the ground. But I think that we need to start doing that. And maybe Aaron Rodgers will help that sort of scenario. But Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers can play on Sunday. I'm going. I know that's selfish. But I'd really like to see Aaron Rodgers. But if his heart's not ready, um, so be it. And, and that's another thing, just really quick. Don't ma- don't make Aaron Rodgers feel bad about himself. And they're like, oh, he has to get his heart looked at. Well, like, yeah, he had fucking COVID, all right? Like, even if he was vaccinated and he got COVID and he had symptoms, you want to check out your heart. I think Chris Middleton's vaccinated. I have no idea. I don't, again, do not care. But when Chris Middleton comes back, like, that's going to be a major concern. And Milton's been out for, fuck, I think a week, two weeks. I don't know. He's had a real bout with it. It's been a real issue. So I'm going to want to have Chris Middleton's heart looked at. I don't want to put Chris Middleton in danger, even if he is unvaccinated. All right? Like, that's not something to laugh at. If anything, if Rodgers realizes that he can't do it from a workout perspective and it's just not going to happen and he misses Seattle... Maybe that fucking convinces him to go take get the vaccine and say, all right, whatever. I will take the J&J. They've figured out whatever the issue was. I'll get the J&J shot. It'll at least last me to football season. Maybe it'll wane. I probably won't get another one. And I can cross that bridge again on a booster for next year when we get there. So maybe you'd get your wish. And maybe that would be a good enough apology for a lot of people. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. They played last night one of the three NBA games last night. It was a light slate, probably due to the fact there was all the college basketball in the world. Um, Also, the NBA is trying to basically compete with the NFL, if you will, and put their TNT games on Tuesday night. I think it's very savvy. I actually think it's kind of a smart thing for them to do. Because they're able to basically say, all right, we can be the prime, the primetime people. Now they had college basketball, eyes were diverted. But Buck Sixers, if Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are playing, versus Giannis would be a good game. And then Portland-LA is a pretty solid rivalry. Now for the Milwaukee Bucks, they got lucky, all right? Like they did not have to face Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons has been gone forever. Tobias Harris is also on the COVID list. They are dealing with a 
legitimate COVID issue right now. But for the Bucks, that really isn't their problem. And in a lot of ways, the Bucks might have needed a break like this. They get to five and six. They did not really start the game well. Uh, the Bucks were down ten at one point in the second quarter, and then they fought back. They had a really good finish to the quarter, and they ended up actually leading by halftime. Now, it it was down the stretch. It looked like this game was going to go to the wire. Um, I think it was tied at, at heading into the fourth quarter, and then the Bucks turned it on. The Bucks held Philly to eighteen points. Uh, or 16 points, excuse me. They Philly did not have much offensively. They That's where they needed the Joel Embiid, the Tobias Harris's of the world because there wasn't that guy to say, all right, let me, let me take a shot. Tyrese Maxey was really good. He struggled in that fourth quarter and the Bucs made sure that they weren't going to lose that game. And it speaks a lot to Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? Like, Giannis is an absolute man in the fourth quarter. Like, Giannis has become that closer. And I know we've sang Giannis's platitudes I don't know how many times, but sometimes these games remind you of what Giannis is capable of. And Giannis is very capable of basically taking over a, fo- a, football game, a basketball game and making it its pitch. And making sure in the fourth quarter that the Bucks are not losing. That is winning time for Giannis. And he made that a priority. Giannis did not want to leave Philly with the loss. He likes playing there. I think he loves the energy of it. I, I think he knows the fans don't like him. He had 31-17. and 17. It was a really impressive day from Antetokounmpo. And he continues to roll. It's not, it's not surprising. He also had some really good defensive moments in this one, and he was obviously the catalyst for why Milwaukee won this game. Grayson Allen, another really great game. I mean, what more can you say about Grayson Allen? I feel like all has been said in the first two weeks. He's been a key contributor to why the Bucs are keeping their head sort of at water. I wouldn't say they're above water because they're right around 500, but Grayson Allen has a huge part in that. 25 points yesterday. He made five threes. He had some really good moments. Had a plus 18 PR, 8 of 13 overall. Uh, made four three free throws. That's another thing about Grayson Allen that gets kind of lost in the shovel. The dude is like a 90% free throw shooter. So you add him and Chris Middleton down the stretch when you need free throws. That's pretty good. You don't just have to rely on Chris Middleton, even though Middleton is a, a great free throw shooter in his own right. But the fact Grayson Allen was basically brought in for free is crazy. It's crazy that John Horace was able to add a guy like Grayson Allen to this Bucks roster and he didn't have to pay anything for it. He didn't have to give up Pat Connaughton. He didn't have to give up um, Thanasis. Not that Thanasis was mad. Maybe by Portis, right? Sign and trade. I don't know. Jordan Nora. Um, he didn't have to give any of those dudes up. He gave up Sam Merrill in a second round draft pick. That's it. I have no idea if Sam Merrill is on Memphis's roster. It was an amazing robbery by John Horst. And then they signed him to a three-year, $24 million deal, which I wonder if Grayson's regretting a little bit. I wonder if Grayson's having conversations with his girlfriend and is like, man, if I just would have kept playing this out, I might have X amount of dollars. But I guess you have 24 guaranteed. So 24 guaranteed is still a very nice living. Right, and who knows? Maybe that contract changes as 
as time goes on. But yeah, really solid stuff from Grayson. He is built for the moment, I think. I think that we look at him and I, I think all of the, shall we say, preconceived notions or just people who thought about the 2015 Badger game are kind of over it because he's played so well. And I think this is the best case scenario for him. I think Grayson Allen is going to have, has a lot of fans and I think the fans are going to keep growing. And I think when Chris Middleton's back and you have a full roster, he's going to be even better because there's less attention that's going to be on him. But I, I think teams are going to start figuring out Grayson Allen's really the second option right now as Drew Holiday still kind of tries to get his legs. It's pretty clear Drew Holiday. He played had some nice moments in this one, but 4 for 14. He did fill up the stat sheet. I mean, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, he almost had a Ben Simmons, which is a triple-double with 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. So almost a Ben Simmons for Drew Holiday yesterday. But yeah, he struggled. He he really needs to kind of get those legs. I, I'm not saying don't play him tonight against New York, but I also think... You know, maybe there's a rest day in there to just sort of get his mind right. Because it's clear Holiday is a step off. And he just can't necessarily find the basket. Uh, slumping a little bit. But that that's okay. I think we'll I think we'll be alright. I mean, Giannis and Grayson are a great one-two. An unexpected one-two. But definitely something that can carry the Bucks in the next few games. And I do think the Bucks have... This daunting four-game road trip, or well, it was a five-game road trip with Washington. It it isn't as significant as I think it was lap, you know, a couple days ago. Boston is missing Jalen Brown; he's not going to play on Friday. Um, And then on Sunday, you play the Hawks, but the Hawks are coming back from a brutal West Coast trip. The Hawks are the Hawks look terrible, and I'm really surprised by that. Um, And I. I don't exactly know what's wrong. Um, their defense is starting to fade a little bit. Like if you look at their defensive rating, it's really bad. They're also playing a brutal schedule so far. Like having to do a back-to-back Golden State Utah at the beginning of the season is not fun. So I'm not ready to like abandon ship on Atlanta. But the Bucks are getting the Hawks at the right time on Sunday, so that works to their advantage as well. So I really look at this and say, with the guys you have, and I don't think Middleton or Brooke Lopez is going to come back, with the guys you have, and you've already, you're one and one, I think three and two is just fine. You go two and three even, I'm not, not crying about it, but I would love three wins on this road trip. And if you can get them against New York and Boston and make Atlanta more house money, that would be perfect. Last saw on this, the Bucks have a real problem if Brooke Lopez is not going to be healthy this year because Giannis leaves and they have nothing inside. And I I don't know if it's the bench combinations. I don't know if it's the lack of size in the middle with Brooke Lopez. But the Bucks lost so many leads yesterday when Giannis just left the game. And I don't want Giannis playing 48 minutes a game. That's not what I'm advocating for. But... I do think not having Chris Middleton is an issue in those scenarios. And then having a rusty Drew Holiday is an issue in those scenarios. So I think Mike Boonholzer needs to kind of go back to the drawing board with those lineups without Giannis. So what lineups have been have been working? What line what kind of combination of lineups with Giannis can they take and say, all right, let's make this one a lineup? 
and see if that works because that right now is the Bucks' biggest problem. They can't really do much when Giannis is off the court and they're, they're not going to be able to have Giannis for 48 minutes. That's just impossible, an impossible ask. But a really good win for the Bucks. We'll see what happens tonight against New York. Um, Bucks kind of owe them for last Friday. New York's been kind of all over the place in terms of wins and losses. I think, no, they lost, yeah, they lost at home to Cleveland on Sunday, then had a nice win against Philly um, in the same gym on Monday. So we'll see what the Knicks, Knicks bring to the table on Wednesday. Could be a little hungover. You had R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle both at Kentucky and Duke last night. I'm sure they went out after. Um, who knows? Maybe a little little hungover game for uh, for the boys. We'll we'll have to see. But yeah, we'll maybe talk Bucks Knicks tomorrow, depending on if uh, we're going to do a tapping keg, which I'll talk about at the very end of the show. Lastly, college basketball. College basketball happened yesterday. Marquette, Wisconsin, both won. Um, if you're unfamiliar with our college basketball coverage, which probably makes sense because we haven't talked at all about college basketball. We didn't do a preview. We didn't really get ourselves ready for college basketball. I don't think we talked a lot about transfers, things like that. If we're being honest, college basketball is probably in the five spot of topics talked about on the Daily Tap or Tabbing the Keg podcast. The reason is not because we don't enjoy the sport. I do enjoy the sport. I like watching it. I, it's a different vibe to NBA. Like everyone will tell you that. And I know a lot of NBA heads love to tell you how much they hate college basketball. But it's, I think, because you're, we're watching more Bucks, you're, you notice the pace, you notice the slowness sometimes of college basketball. That said, it, it is a sport that deserves coverage because we have two teams in D1, Marquette and Wisconsin. We also have UWM with Patrick Baldwin. I am a Marquette fan. Um, I'm not really a Wisconsin fan, which we talked about in that complicated college football show right before the college football season started. That it's, it, I think, rubs people the wrong way. I've never asked them. But I know there are people who are online that I follow, who follow me, who are Marquette till they die, and they don't want anything to do with Wisconsin. So I do want to cover the Badgers, though, at times because, again, I know my listeners, there's Marquette fans, there's Wisconsin fans. They're people who don't necessarily give a fuck about college basketball. But one thing I want to talk about today, not necessarily looking at either game because both teams played cupcakes. I think I'll give you more of a Marquette scouting report when I go to the game against Illinois on Monday. The idea that... College basketball started, and it left me sort of like, ah, okay, all right, cool, another sport. And I think it's because of Steve Wojciechowski. And I don't mean to blame Wojo. A guy posts a lot on Instagram. Seems like he's enjoying just having the buyout money and hanging out, um, which good for him, right? Live your life. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he gets to spend time with his kids and he gets to spend time with his wife. Like That's good shit, man. It's always going to be a good thing. No one's ever, it's never been a bad thing uh, for somebody. But I think Wojo made myself so cold about college basketball. I hate to use that again because I use that for something else. But I I just was apathetic. Like I, I didn't really care about Marquette the last year plus. 
like the the balloon just sort of went out. Like I, I really liked the 2020 team before the pandemic, right? I really enjoyed that team. Like I can remember I was watching most games. Grant, I was unemployed at the time, so I think that helps, right? Like just have a little more time when you're unemployed. So I think that aided my Marquette viewing. Um, it also helps that my wife is a Marquette alum, so she wants to watch more of it. I think then as Wojo faltered, as Marquette just sort of looked like another rudderless ship, I think I stopped caring. I think that with COVID and everything else, like there wasn't that energy, right? Sometimes you watch college sports to get the vibe of the crowd, to get the vibe of, you know, whoever you're playing. And because you had empty arenas, it it never, never really felt like college basketball last year. It felt very manufactured as as people got back in people got vaccinated it started to kind of get that vibe again and then by the tournament it was great and I thought it was a really good NCAA tournament even though it was different and I look forward to next year and I think next year will be even better and and so now trying to work my way out of that Wojo mindset and being excited about Marquette every time they touch the court it's going to take time it really is it's going to take time to warm myself back up. It's like I've been in a garage with my fandom and I need to kind of warm up. I need to get ready and I'm not exactly there yet. I think going to the Illinois game will help even though Marquette will be probably double digit underdogs in that game without question. Um, and I don't think you'd bet Marquette in that situation. Maybe we'll talk a little bit on the betting preview, but I, I do not think you touch uh, Marquette in that scenario just based on the fact we have, we don't know what they are yet. We're still learning. The ceiling, I think someone asked, I think it was Paint Touches. I mean, there's so many people who do good work with Marcotte, but Paint Touches is one of them. And he asked, you know, what's your ceiling? And I, I clicked NIT. I was like, all right, if we get to the NIT, this is great. Like, this is a rebuilding year. And I think rebuilding years in college, more so than the NBA, are tough because. In the NBA or in the NFL even, which I haven't dealt with that, or baseball for that matter. Baseball's tough too because baseball is 162 games. And you're like, all right, we might win 70. Okay, we're surprising people. It's going well. You just kind of, I think, have to take with the good. And then when once football season starts, you're like, all right, I'm out of baseball. That's kind of what happens when you have a rebuilding baseball team. For basketball, it's been forever, but it's the competitive lo- losing. Mitch and I did podcasts about this when the Bucks were in the tank, and we were like, we want to see the Bucks play well until about the fourth quarter, and then the fourth quarter they can lose, and then we can go get a draft pick. I feel like the same way would be in the NFL. Again, haven't been in that situation with the Green Bay Packers, and I hope to never be, really. But it's the competitive losing, right? You want to make sure... You're winning game. You're not necessarily winning games, but you're in every game. Like what the Lions are doing, and it's of course so Lions that they don't have a quarterback there to draft number one. But this, like, if I was a Lions fan, I'm like, well, I want to win a game, but I also like love the fact that we're competitive losing because it just shows you the future is still bright in Detroit. But I, that tangent me off Marquette, so I, I think the idea of a rebuild is just tough. I think what you basically watch for is you're like, can we surprise somebody and also not invest too much energy into it? Not necessarily be too upset and understand that this is a learning curve season and that maybe they'll surprise you. Maybe by mid-January to February, 
they're playing a lot better. They surprise a few teams in the process. And then maybe they have a good Big East tournament. And they get to the NIT, like I voted on. And it's like, all right, how can we build on next year and get ready for the following season? So I do think I will fall back in with Marquette. It's just going to take some time. And yesterday was, I I watched, but it it wasn't necessarily, it it just, it's going to, it's a process. It's a process. I like Daryl Marcel though. Daryl Marcel, great player. Tyler Kolek, good player. Uh, Stevie Mitchell, I thought, was really nice off the bench. Thought Justin Lewis had some moments. So I like the the makeup of this team. But I just, to go full throat in, it's still going to take some time. Because unfortunately, I've been sort of beat up the last couple of years. But we'll get back there. Don't you worry. All right, that does it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow. So here's the thing with Mitch and I. I haven't reached out to Mitch about a podcast. And part of it is I have this weird work schedule. I didn't even think I'd get a podcast in today. So I'm very thankful I was able to. And I think that's kind of impacting it a little bit. Um, and also the Bucks schedule is brutal this week. We don't have, we didn't have a lot of time. It was either Monday or maybe before tonight's game. So, or tomorrow, I guess Thursday we have, oh no, I, I have something going on Thursday. That's why I like, if it was a normal week, I'd be like, all right, fuck, we'll just do Thursday, um, and preview the weekend and what, what, what not. But, um, so I think that's part of the issue. Um, so maybe Mitch and I will get in the booth before the Bucks game, uh, tonight. Um, and if not, well, then we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. We're always usually good when we have a week off from each other. But stay tuned for that. So either you'll have a daily tap with me tomorrow or you'll have tap at the keg with Mitch and I tomorrow. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.